set it all on. Yeah. What it is is what it is. Hit tonight. Hit just a few seconds if you can wait because I can't. What it is. What it is. What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 191 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. I'm Kenny Keith, and I am joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vince? What's going on, brother? Uh, 2018 getting getting started uh, fast and heavy here. All kinds of fucking fights being announced. Mm-hmm. News and notes, the usual suspects, of course, creeping back into, uh, into the minds of boxing fans and Adrian Broner and Amir Khan. I think it's going to be a good year, brother. Yeah, 2018's first quarter is uh, is definitely shaping up. We got a ton of fight announcements. Today. Yeah, yeah, ton of fight announcements. Um, as we are back recording on Sundays, as the NFL season winds down, and uh, as soon as the Eagles are eliminated from the playoffs, we will definitely be able to record every Sunday for you. I'll I'll see you in Minnesota in about three weeks, Ken, because <laughs> we're going to the fucking bowl, son. <laughs> oh man, I don't know with the deep freeze that's been going on around here. Maybe Minnesota's warmer nowadays. Yeah, Jesus Christ, man! Another single-digit day, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, we're staying warm here in the basement. Um, at the Boxing Rant Studios, bringing you episode 191. Happy New Year to all of our listeners out there as we enter the fifth season of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. They say if, uh, if you make it five years, you've, you've, uh, you've crossed the barrier. You've actually made it. Have we? Well, I my, mean, my bank account doesn't, uh, doesn't reflect that, Ken. No, no, neither does mine. Um, just glad to be alive, Vim. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody's got their fingers on the button these days. I know. It would have been easy for us to hit the eject button um, <laughs> a long time ago. Uh, you know, the first three, uh, three and a half years of the show, boxing um, was just in the most ridiculous place. And, you know, 2017 gave us a great year of boxing. Right. The ending of, you know, the last two months of the boxing season in 2017 – uh, you know, it was just it's a little monotonous. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and you know what, man, my 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 inner flame was going out. You it, know, mine was, too. You know, I mean, I was losing focus. I was like, will the tail of the tape boxing podcast survive another year? Yeah. But you know what? A little break, um, a new boxing schedule and a bunch to look forward to and a good fight to preview uh, this weekend brings us back for the fifth season of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spreaker, iTunes, and Google Play, and check out the Boxing Rant YouTube channel today. All right, Vim, let's uh, dispense with the pleasantries, all right? Yes, sir. Let's get right to it. January 20th, this Saturday night on Showtime from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, the IBF Welterweight Championship will be on the line as Errol Spence Jr. returns for the first time um, in a very long time against another um, inactive PBC fighter, um, welterweight challenger Lamont Peterson. All of the you know the the layer of bullshit that you have to deal with um, when you talk about anybody that fights that's associated with Al Heyman. You can either continue to just beat that dead horse, and we've kind of moved past that. Al Al, Al Heyman has actually been a benefit to our show because everything that we prognosticated from the very beginning um, has unfolded. So. Uh, okay, we get that. Uh, let's thank just, you, Al Heyman. Yeah, thank you, Al Heyman. Let's peel that back. Um, at the end of the day, this fight coming up this Saturday night is a pretty good matchup. Yeah. And, you know, Errol Spence, um, his rise to the top was pretty fast. A lot of people didn't feel that he was 
um, overly challenged on his way. But taking this fight, and um, you know, a lot of people wouldn't take uh, Lamont Peterson on in a title defense um, in their first fight in in almost a year. Yeah, and look, you know, it goes the same way with with Peterson. I mean, Jesus Christ, he fought in February of. 2016 or 2017 and did not fight at all in 2016. I mean, the guy's been uh, just the king of inactivity in the, in the PBC. And that's what's, you know, you, you find frustrating about Lamont Peterson because when you do see him fight and Lamont Peterson is on in the ring, he's a tricky, shifty fucking boxer and he makes it tough for anybody. And I don't, we haven't seen Spence in with a guy that a polished boxer that can move and use the ring and turn you and use angles like Peterson can. And we saw him do it against Danny Garcia in spots. And I thought in a fight that I thought he won, he ends up losing on the cards. But he always leaves – the problem with Lamont is he always leaves you wanting more. Or it's, he didn't go that extra step. He, he, it was, it's like it was there in front of him. The fight was all his. If he wanted to just put forth a little bit more effort, he, he could have – the fight could have looked completely different. But he always just the inactivity of getting in the ring, and then once he's in the ring, not being consistent with his his punch output and how he approaches a fight. You know, I, I, this is going to be a very tough fight for him because I don't know if Errol Spence is the type of fighter that allows you to take rounds off like he likes to do at times. Yeah, I mean that's the biggest gripe, um, you know, outside of the inactivity. You're exactly right with Lamont Peterson. You know, he's sort of the American version. Um, of our boy Jimmy DeGale, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, just he is. fights and spurts is pretty good at some point for a four or five round stretch. You can pretty much guarantee that. Um, I think early in this fight, Vin, honestly, I mean, there's not much of a size difference here. You know, Spence is a, a bit thicker and a bit more muscular, right? But they both they're going to be you know, pretty much standing eye to eye. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So the size thing is not really going to be that much of a factor. Um, Lamont Peterson definitely uh, has the edge in this fight in the lateral movement category. You know, I think they're both really good infighters. I think the difference in their in their infighting is marginal, but that margin is separated by power. Yeah. And that's where Errol Spence has the advantage because he likes to throw, you know, multiple punches with both hands. He likes to throw left hooks to the body. He likes to throw right hooks to the body. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I love I've always complimented Lamont Peterson's infighting. I think it's vastly underrated. When he's inside, he is he, he's still long, you know what I mean? But he right. keeps everything within himself. He throws multiple punch combinations and, and is able to do good work. But where I think Lamont Peterson's success in this fight is going to come is going to be boxing. I think that oh, he yeah. is going to be able to box up until the point where Errol Spence does not allow him to box anymore. I don't know if Spence stops him. Um, this is a very good chance of going the distance. I, I think that Peterson is going to play it safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that he's going to hope that the judges like that kind of a style. So I think it goes the distance. Yeah, I, look, I'm not, I'm not far behind you. I think the key is going to be what kind of shape Peterson comes into the fight in. Because if he's able, I mean, he's going to have to seriously be on top of his game for 12 rounds to survive. And, you know, I'm not saying I give him no chance in this fight. I think there's a very good chance he could win four or five rounds. I would not be surprised to see that happen if it went the distance. My concern is that he won't be able to mentally and physically keep up the pace to keep uh, Spence at bay for long enough. I think at the end of this fight, he's going to wear down. I think Spence is going to get another late round stoppage, 10, 11, uh, maybe even 12. But to me, I just don't see – I see Peterson doing well. 
until he can't keep up that pace anymore and Spence will wear him down. But this is, uh, to me, this is, as far as Spence and his career, this is the most intriguing fight so far. Uh, I understand the Kell Brook fight was a big fight. Uh, you know, we may come, we may look back on that fight a year from now, depending on how uh, Brook does in his fight against uh, Sergey Rabchenko coming up here. Brook may have been damaged goods from the Golovkin fight at that point in time. Sure. But, you know, to me, this is the most intriguing, and this will kind of, it will give us that final direction and, and tell us exactly what Errol, how good Errol Spence is as a fighter. Yeah, because if, if, if Errol Spence is um, what he's trending to be, um, what some thought he was going to be all along, uh, you had skeptics like you and I just because he hadn't been challenged. This is going to be a good challenge for him. Yeah. Um, you know, but we also have seen Lamont Peterson um, get taken advantage of uh, when he's not focused. You know, mm -hmm. you remember the uh, the Lucas Matisse fight. Oh, yeah. You know, yep. uh, you know, for one example. Um, yeah, I'm taking uh, Errol Spence in this one, too. I think it's going to be a majority decision. I think you're going to see probably like, uh, you know, one scorecard is going to be 117, 111, 116, 110 in favor of Errol Spence. Um, and then you'll get your, uh, your little gratuitous one-point scorecard win. For Lamont Peterson, right. give me Spence by a majority decision. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I don't think there's too many people. I don't know if I've seen anybody picking Peterson in this fight. He's a minus twenty five hundred underdog. Yeah, that'll that'll tell you right there. Well, I mean, just put your money on Peterson. Yeah, you don't have to put much. Just put ten bucks on at him. minus twenty five hundred. Uh, that's not bad odds. No, no, but it also says something um, that everybody Vegas. Um, you know, definitely believes is is that they don't want any money being put on Spence. No, no, they clearly <laughs> yes, they're very uh, they're convinced of who's going to win the fight. Yes, absolutely. All right, in the co-feature, the IBF lightweight titles on the line. Robert Easter Jr. defends against Javier for Tuna. Um, then look, Errol Spence Lamont Peterson. I think is going to be you know an entertaining fight no matter which way it goes. I think that Robert Easter Jr. Javier Fortuna will be. Just a, a you know a delightful injection of adrenaline into everybody's heart, straight up Pulp Fiction style. <laughs> right. Um, I think that Robert Easter is going to find Fortuna difficult for a little bit because yeah. Fortuna's athletic. He's very very sloppy and completely undisciplined. This thing is going to end emphatically. I think Robert Easter Jr. is going to be an athletic move um, and a devastating punch. I think he stops Javier Fortuna. This thing may only go about seven or eight rounds, but guess what? I can't wait for this one. Yeah, this is a nice, you know, it's a nice little card entertainment value-wise. You're going to get some good boxing here in the main event. Mm -hmm. You're, you're going to get world-class stuff from Spence. And in this fight, I'm, Robert Easter's a world-class fighter, and Javier Fortuna is just awkward enough and just crazy enough to just go for it. He does in every fight. I think you're going to get, uh, like you said, just like you said, uh, about as entertaining as you can ask for for as long as it lasts. I wouldn't even be surprised to see Easter get dropped in this fight because I think it's going to be, I don't want to call it, uh, we won't call it athletic flailing, but it'll just be kind of, it's, it's just the fight that Fortuna creates when he gets in the ring, kind of, you know, the fundamentals go out the window. You, it kind of turns into a bit of a, a street fight almost, and I think Easter will will end it emphatically as well, man. I, a knockout at some point and, and a, a devastating one. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good little card to kick off uh, 2018. Absolutely. Um, no doubt about it. So uh, tune in January 20th, this Saturday night on Showtime from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. It's Errol Spence Jr. versus Lamont Peterson for the IBF 147. And it's Robert Easter Jr. defending his IBF strap against Javier Fortuna um, for the 135-pound edition. So 
I guess, Vince, I mean, uh, it's pretty cut and dry with those fights, man. You yeah. know what I mean? Why drag it out? Let's get to the big news involving some big boys. What do you think? Absolutely. All right, news and notes. Um, some fight announcements March 3rd, 2018 on, I guess, Showtime or CBS is what I'm hearing. I'm hearing we're going to find out at the, uh, at the press conference to announce the fight officially this week. Um, but it is going to take place in the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. It's Deontay Wilder versus King Kong, Luis Ortiz, for the WBC Heavyweight Championship of the world. I'll tell you what, you just mentioned that it might be on CBS or Showtime. I'm finding it very hard to believe, especially on the backs of we know that uh, Victor Ortiz and Devin Alexander is going to be on Fox, <laughs> which is, I mean, five years ago on Fox, that would have been great. Hell of a fight. But, eight years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. Probably <laughs> eight years ago. I'm underestimating that. But, you know, it, it, it just boils down to this. I don't see how Al can afford to put it on CBS. I mean, you're looking at, I, I would imagine, at least three and a half to four and a half million in combined purse for Wilder and Ortiz plus undercard. He doesn't have the money for that. There's a reason why all the big PBC fights move to Showtime because Al can't afford to pay these guys out of pocket. He's already on the hook for the time buy. They have no money left. That's why you're getting Ortiz Alexander. Uh, what are both of them making? 200k each if yeah. they're lucky yeah he's putting on an entire card for a million not, not paying one guy two and a half three million in Deontay Wilder it's just this fight to me is going to wind up on Showtime I just don't see how there's any other way possible Showtime CBS you know what and I don't really care what these guys get paid but I will say this Showtime probably is like yeah Eh, we'll have a five million dollar pot. We'll give you five million. Yeah, you know, Deontay takes three and a half, and 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 Ortiz takes one and a half. Um, maybe that's you know wishful thinking. I don't know if Deontay Wilder's made that for a single fight in his entire career. Um, and, you know, and apparently Showtime is going to be uh, um, broadcasting a ton of boxing this year. So who yeah. knows what their budget looks like? Or maybe you know, well, just maybe old rat face Steven Espinoza. <laughs> got a little bit of that cash out of the uh out of the hedge fund yeah um and he's going to be paying these guys uh what they deserve either way uh the fans deserve Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz this is going to be a good one man um look there is basically a premise to this you know we can get into all of the you know uh you know the false negative on Luis Ortiz's um you know alleged uh PED um, incident, but here's the reality of the situation. You know, he's been cleared, he's been exonerated, and what you have here now that this fight is finally happening, to me, because I paid too much attention to the sport, I just think that this thing in Deontay Wilder's camp, Al Heyman, everybody is looking at this like now is the time to get Luis Ortiz. I don't know what their confidence level was as it pertains to taking this fight, you know, over the last two or three years. But right. the way that Luis Ortiz has been managed, the way that he has been positioned by those that are invested in the business of Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua would suggest that Luis Ortiz has been left out to get old. And now is the time that Deontay Wilder thinks that he can do exactly to Luis uh, Ortiz what he did to Berman Stavern in their rematch and just go in there and blast him out with his power and athleticism. I saw a quote today from, uh, from Team Wilder. Their tone has changed a little bit. They said, we cannot lose focus for one second against Luis Ortiz. And that's how I feel about it. Yeah, look, I think the first fight the odds came out and Luis Ortiz was 
plus 150 and i think this this time around he's plus 225 um I, look i this fight is very 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 risky for the future prospects of of the mega fight uh anthony joshua and deontay wilder that everybody is kind of just just figures that it's a formality that that fight happens and it's to unify the heavyweight division i mean both of them right now are in very risky fights in my opinion neither one of these guys are good enough uh, to just look past guys that, you know, look, Parker and, and Ortiz are what they are. They're not the greatest in the world, but they're damn good. And they have a, just just enough skill to completely throw a fucking, just a wrench into the entire fucking vision of Wilder and Joshua in, in you know, with a rematch clause, a fight in Vegas, a fight at Wembley Stadium, whatever they're trying to build towards there. And in my opinion, Luis Ortiz is the he's, – he's a bigger risk than Parker is to Joshua, to Wilder. Ortiz is it, – it just takes one shot. We've seen Wilder get dropped. We've seen him do the dance. He's done it against uh, club Eric fighters. Molina. He's done it against club fighters that are worse than Eric Molina that have caught him on the jaw. If Luis Ortiz lands a big left hand, Deontay Wilder is going to go down. I don't know if he can avoid – I don't know if he's a disciplined enough fighter to avoid that punch for 12 rounds. But I also don't know – how fucking old is Ortiz? <laughs> is he 38 or is he 44? Uh, he might be 58. And he's not the same fighter he was three, four years ago when me and you were shouting from the mountaintops that he was the best heavyweight in the world. It doesn't matter, though. Out of the four heavyweights that you mentioned, to your point – is Luis Ortiz is the most skilled out of all four of them. Oh, you're you're absolutely right. And the separation between the four, I mean, they're all, any matchup between these four guys, it, it, it's basically the final four at heavyweight. Sorry, Tyson Fury fanboys. That are, we're going to scream that he's the, still the lineal champ, and I don't fucking care about any of that shit. The ring is thinking about stripping him. They should have stripped him a long time ago. You don't even have a, you don't own a license to box. You basically went into hiding because you got you had PED allegations brought up against you, and instead of take the punishment, you just said, eh, I'll fucking go on the sidelines for two years, and we'll just kind of hope this, this all just brushes under the rug. We're, we, we weren't doing anything. I, I, he still doesn't have a license to box. Still, to this day. I, I'm sorry. How does this guy own a fucking belt? He can't even get in a ring. It's a fucking joke. And I love Tyson Fury. But until that happens, until I see him weighing uh, less than 280 pounds and I hear a fight announced, he's not a part of the conversation. Sorry. Well, that, yeah, he shouldn't be. No. You know, look, I think what we're seeing here, um, you know, with the announcements of Deontay Wilder versus Luis Ortiz and Anthony Joshua versus Joseph Parker, is that we are going to see at the end of this year the winners face off. Now, there's a less likely chance if, you know, for some reason Joseph Parker beat Anthony Joshua and Luis Ortiz beat Deontay Wilder that that fight, and you know, Parker and Ortiz um, doesn't seem as natural. Yes, could it, would it happen? Would it be big for both of them? Yes, you know, absolutely. But you could continue going on fighting the other guys in the meantime right. until until those right mandatories came up. Everything hinges on this thing being Deontay Wilder versus Anthony Joshua. The risk, like you talked about, and their opponents is completely different. Luis Ortiz, um, you know, his real shot to beat Deontay Wilder in this one is going to be to clip him. Joseph Parker is not 
that that's not necessarily going to be the strategy here. You know what I mean? Luis Ortiz, he can be patient. You know what I mean? Right. He can look for his shot. He can wait for Deontay Wilder to make a mistake. As long as that jab and as long as those one-twos from Deontay Wilder don't soften Luis Ortiz up and he can keep his guard up, he can wait for that shot. Joseph Parker is not going to be waiting for a shot. Joseph Parker is going to look to outbox and outjab Anthony Joshua. Yeah, That's what he's going to look to do. He's yeah. not going to be looking for that one. If the, if the shot's there and he can take it, that's fine. But focusing on Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz, I think this fight is amazing. Um, I can't wait for this fight. This is one of my top five most anticipated fights of the year. Mm-hmm. 100% absolutely no doubt. I can't wait for this. No. The thing that pisses me off, though, right, and there's always something. You can never talk about an Al Heyman PBC uh, you know, universe fight without getting agitated at something because they are incapable of putting together a solid promotion. One, they announced this fight seven weeks out, right? Yep. And then they do what they always do. They overprice the event. This is a perfect opportunity for them to sell out Barclays Center at a PBC event for the first fucking time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. They have an opportunity here. They could have priced ringside seats at $750 to $1,000. Fine. Whatever. Yeah. I'm not going to sit there anyways. I like to sit a little higher so I can fucking see the fight. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then they could have went up to the first row risers up. You know, three hundred and fifty dollars to say two hundred bucks. Then you go up to the second deck and give those away for fifty dollars. They make more money than they've ever made on any fight in the fucking PBC. Yeah, but no, we're gonna make this. We're gonna price this like it's fucking Canelo versus Triple G. We're gonna price this like it's Mayweather versus McGregor. And guess what? Now we're not gonna go to the fight. We're four fucking hours away from Brooklyn right here. We're yeah. si- we're sitting four hours south of Brooklyn. We could be there. In no time, we could be there before dinner if we left right now. Yes, and I've never been to a a heavyweight championship fight. I, that's still on my list of, of fights to be at. I, I have not been to one. I was, I, I figured that you know, two fifty is going to get me a, a decent seat here. No, no, it's not. It's completely overpriced. It's a complete fucking joke. I, I, I just, I, I don't understand it. You know what's fucking hilarious is so you got. Uh, Parker and Joshua fighting in, in Cardiff, Wales at Principality Stadium, 74,500 capacity seating there. And he's going to sell it out. They'll sell 74,000 tickets. Deontay Wilder will be lucky to sell, legitimately sell, at what the price points are right now, 7,500 tickets. Yeah, 10%. Literally 10% of what, of what Joshua will sell. I, I mean, the, all this, the, the talk of... 50-50 and A-side B. Give me a break. It is. I mean, it's the biggest fucking joke in boxing. And if Wilder can't recognize that, you know, we, we may not even get to the point where there's there's a negotiation between the two. But it's already seems like when you hear Wilder talk about that po- the possibility of negotiations and that fight happening, it makes it seem like he's really not interested. Because if you're saying it's 50-50 and he should come to America – you clearly you can't be that stupid. That's a horrible business decision for Deontay Wilder. <laughs> he makes more money if he goes and fights in front of seventy thousand. And if Wilder fought Joshua, it would be back at Wembley in front of ninety thousand. Yeah, and, and you know I, I get it. Vegas may pay a bigger, you know, they may pay more to have the fight there, but, but it'll it, be because of Joshua. Yeah, and, and really honestly, Joshua's not very big in the United States. He's very few people know him outside of diehard boxing fans. Klitschko became extremely popular in the United States because he made it a point to fight in the United States right. at least 
once every year or two. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Towards the end, he got he started hanging out in Germany a little bit more, but he had a run of fights in America where he had established himself. And he's, he became an attraction. He sold out every time he fought in the United States. These guys just, uh, it, to me, it's, you know, the hype for the fight, which is, you know, mainly amongst uh, diehard boxing fans. It's not nearly, uh, doesn't live up to the actual standards that this fight is going to bring to the table as far as uh, media coverage and the size of it. I, do you think that fight sells a million pay-per-view buys in America right now? Um, It'd be very close. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I still don't have a real good gauge on, on, on Anthony Joshua's popularity over here. You know, like, uh, I'm still, you know, trying to feel it out. I mean, look, Anthony Joshua's career is, is very, very young, you know? Yeah. Um, he still has a good 10 years if he can stay relatively healthy um, at the top of the game, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I have a hard time thinking that it would reach a million pay-per-view buys. I mean, look, uh, people are not buying uh, fights like they used to on pay-per-view. Now, they will go for the certified attraction. Now, we have guaranteed pr- uh, proof in the pudding because, l- let's be honest, even looking back on Canelo versus Triple G, um, you know, it's a better fight rewatching it over and over again. You know, it, yeah. it, it was a really, really, really good fight in 2017. And that's what people are really banking on for their pay-per-view investment this year yeah. is hoping that they can get, um, you know, it's a little... probably going to be 100 bucks this time around, too. Yeah. But let me ask you this. What if uh, Errol Spence and Keith Thurman fight at the end of the year? Say they fight in November or December on pay-per-view. Does that do a million buys? I mean, I think that that would be, I mean, talk about excitement. That would be an explosive, fucking tense fight. But would it, but how much would it sell? I don't know. I mean, just besides the fact that it's the welterweight, you know, glamour division of boxing these Unification days. Unification fight? Yeah, that would probably... I would see it probably right along along the same lines as what Wilder and Joshua would say. Okay, sell. gotcha. So maybe between eight hundred and a million. Yeah, six hundred fifty thousand to a million, somewhere in that range. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, man. Um, the heavyweight division um, seems to be in a position where we were hoping it would be when the WBA announced their heavyweight tournament. Yeah, that uh, Fres- we're still waiting on Fresno Kendo to get off the fucking. <laughs> get off the injured reserves. Uh, Ustinov and Char just they kicked it off, right? That was the first round. You know what? It doesn't get better than that. Well, it looks like <laughs> <laughs> it looks like. Uh, anyways, from from what I see, just kind of reading reading the tea leaves of Fury's return, and if that's ever going to happen, it looks like old Manuel Char might be uh, in line to get that comeback fight. Yeah, whatever, man. You know what? I just want to see Fury back in the ring, and he's. De- I do too. He's definitely going to have to tune up before he steps in with one of these guys. I just don't think he's going to be ready by April or or March or May. Even he's got fucking weight to. Everybody's, you can see the weight melting off him. Guys. He was like 380 pounds. I, yeah, he had a long way to go, man. A long way to go. <laughs> Just because he, he he shows you a video three times a week of him hitting the mitts. Yeah. I also saw a picture of him with a glass of Guinness last night. So, well, I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah, it's not like he needed to drop like 50 or 60 pounds. I mean, we were talking about like, you know, behind the scenes here at the boxing ring. We were like, oh. He's kind of teetering on needing lap band surgery. I mean, dude, he he had to weigh like 340 pounds. <laughs> he have to get his half of his stomach removed. You got to remember, he's fucking 6'9". Yeah, yeah. Um, hey, we'll see, man. But uh, until that day comes, um, you know, we talked about Anthony Joshua versus Joseph Parker also announced, uh, like Vince said, um, it'll be in Cardiff, Wales at uh, Principality. And uh, March 31st, 2018, the IBF, WBA, and WBO 
um, heavyweight unification. Um, I like this fight. Here's what it comes down to for me. All right. Uh, Anthony Joshua is going to be the bigger guy in the mm-hmm. ring. Um, if things have stayed on their trajectories that they're on right now, Joseph Parker will outweigh him in the ring. Yeah. Joseph Parker cannot outweigh him in this. Joseph Parker, the key to him having a chance to win this fight, okay? I think in a boxing match, if Joshua can't touch him, and let's just say Joshua's a little off, and 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 even a fat Parker who you know, was able to stay um, you know, on his jab and establish it, um, you know, that's a boring fight to me. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Parker, if he can come in at 235 pounds, can regain, um, you know, that, that, that one trait when you and I, back in the day when we first started the show, we had Joseph Parker on our prospects list. And it was mainly because he had, you know, a, a pretty uh, tough rise, um, you know, as it uh, pertains to today's standards yeah. uh, compared to most fighters. I mean, he was like actually fighting top 10, top 15 guys on his way up as a prospect. Yeah, he fought Carlos DeCam two years ago. <laughs> exactly. Um, but what the thing that separated him from the other guys when they were prospects, I mean, Deontay Wilder's been a prospect for like 15 years, um, <laughs> was that Joseph Parker had a quickness and an ability to throw uh, two or three punch combinations with pretty electric hand speed. Since we've seen him balloon up an extra 20 pounds, and he's clearly not in the aerobic shape yeah. that it takes to throw multi-punch combinations over a 12-round fight. We haven't seen that much of him. We've seen him have to use his boxing skills, and we've seen him have to utilize the jab to keep guys away from him. It's the only reason he's been winning. He has gotten sloppy. He cannot come into this fight the same way he has over his last two or three. He nah. cannot. He's he's deteriorated as a fighter since he's won that belt. I don't know if it's the... The accomplishment of winning the belt and kind of I've made it. I you know. Oh, he's a megastar in New Zealand. Yeah, he he absolutely is. And you know, two three years ago, I I'm pretty sure you could go back to an episode 150 episodes ago or so, or 120 ago, and you'll hear me say, if you put a gun to my head right now, I think Joseph Parker would beat Anthony Joshua. That uh, I I don't you'll not you will not hear me singing that tune right now because Parker's last performance, especially against Huey Fury, and you can even go back to the Andy, Andy Ruiz fight. They just have been uninspired. He looks like a, a fighter that has just – it doesn't look like he's training hard and he's not taking it seriously. Uh, the hand speed is not there. The foot movement is – yeah, he's still able to move and box, and we've seen him go 12 rounds, and that may be a slight advantage for him in this fight because Joshua has yet, but he did just go 11 with Klitschko. So, you know, he was gassed for four of them. He but. was. This is going to be an interesting fight. I still think, you know, it's it's not a 50-50 fight, but uh I think Parker stands, you know, I thought he would have won 2 3 years ago. Now I I'd say he could still win the fight, but I I it, it's just I I can't say that with any confidence like I would have 2 3 years ago in the way he looked. So what you're saying is is that Joseph Parker is leveraging his belt for a nice payday. It would seem that way, but I mean, shit. You listen to uh, to his promoter Higgins. I mean, they're they're. I don't know if they're they're trying to play the mind games or whatever. I, I get it, but they're you know they're they're gonna knock they're gonna knock Joshua out. They're gonna expose him. He's been dropped a half a dozen times in sparring and in the amateurs and blah 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 blah. Yeah, but sorry, your fighter has looked like dog s. He couldn't stop Andy Ruiz. He couldn't stop Huey Fury. Why am I to believe that he's going to stop Anthony Joshua? Well, I, I, I don't get it. Yeah, I, this has got to be a Parker that, like you said, 
comes in somewhere between 235 and 240 to stand a chance in this fight. Yeah. If he's uh, 250, it's done. It's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm with you, man. Look, either way, look, we're getting March 3rd, Deontay Wilder, Luis Ortiz. March 31st, Anthony Joshua versus Joseph Parker. The heavyweight uh, division, man, that's it's prime for a big year. Let's hope after uh, these two fights happen that we get – uh, some big fights in the heavyweight division to 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 really fucking put a stamp on who is. Uh, most people think that it's Anthony Joshua is the undisputed champion, but there is a dispute in this division. There's oh, enough absolutely. danger in this division. Hopefully by the end of 2018, we will know who the undisputed champion is. And then guess what? When they lift those belts and become undisputed, get ready for Tyson Fury to be running his mouth saying, I'm the ring magazine champion. Right. And it sets up a big fight for Fury against whoever comes out of this fray in 2019. Oh, I, I agree 100%. At least that that would be, you would think, would be the Fury plan. And look. That's I, my Peter Nelson, like, like like you know, uh, optimal uh, uh, storyline there. You know what I mean? Right, right. That's narrative A. We hope that that happens. If not, we got narrative B and C. Hey, we're getting the final fourth in the heavyweight division of active fighters. Tyson Fury, yes, is on the outskirts of that. But it, it, once he pops his head back into the picture, yeah, I mean, it becomes interesting, very interesting in that division. And you said it. It needs to happen this year. There's no reason to let these, guys, let these matchups marinate. Let them happen. Let people see them. Run it back. There can be two, three fights. Remember those days? Guys fought twice if it was a good – there's no reason to be waiting. Get the fucking shit done this year. Look, if Anthony Joshua beats Parker and Luis Ortiz beats Deontay Wilder, you are guaranteed fucking teed that at the end of 2018, Anthony Joshua is going to be fighting the winner of Tony Bellew and David Hay. Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> Eddie Hearn is going to let Luis Ortiz just get a little bit older. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, you know... Let's just say Luis Ortiz and Joseph Parker somehow win. Uh, Auckland, New Zealand's going to have one one hell of a heavyweight championship. Burger King's going to be set to make a little cash. I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, be opening up new Burger King branches in Cuba. Ortiz and Parker in Auckland, New Zealand to unify the heavyweight division. Mm. That would be fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> boxing, the the the, uh, the backroom heads in boxing would just be fucking. Their minds would be blown. Oh man. <laughs> let's stay positive then <laughs> we still got two months okay <laughs> all right um uh real quick let's just stay with uh eddie hearn um and uh you know we're talking uh, a little bit of uk boxing um let's talk about how eddie hearn has decided to send his boy the lego eater himself scott <laughs> quid <laughs> over to the united states and he'll be uh visiting the StubHub Center in Carson, California, on March 10th on ESPN to square off against the WBO 126-pound champion of the world, Oscar Valdez. People are pumped for this one, aren't they? Yeah, dude. I mean, that, this got announced, and I was really surprised to see how many people were like, fucking great fight, this is going to be a fucking war, blah, 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 blah. I get it. I get it. I think it's a good matchup. I really do. It's a perfect fight for Scott, uh, for Valdez, Quig trying to reestablish himself in a weight class above where Frampton kind of ruined him a little bit. But I don't know if it's the type of fight that Quig has never really been in a war. I don't know where people get this from. Valdez is a constant fucking frenetic energy fighter that just is throwing power shots from the opening bell to the end bell. Yep. I don't think Quig can stand up to Oscar Valdez. Maybe, you know, maybe I've missed something here in the uh, years of watching Scott Quigg, but he's a very vanilla fighter to me. 
And I, I get it. He's with Freddie Roach. Apparently, they've sparred before. And the sparring sessions were very spirited sessions, Ken. <laughs> spirited. I mean. <laughs> that means they weren't very good. <laughs> <laughs> there was good sportsmanship. Oh. <laughs> I mean, uh, I think it's going to be a decent fight. I'm not going to take a dump on it, but I think people are a little bit overexcited about it. Hey, man, Valdez versus Quig. I love Valdez. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I think it'll be great. It, uh, you know, look, ESPN, StubHub Center, what could go wrong? No. Nah. It's, it's the perfect place for that fight, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the worst part about this fight is Mark Kriegel. Let's be honest. <laughs> you think he'll have a turtleneck on in, Cal- in Southern California? <sighs> he'll figure out a way to at least mix in a mock turtleneck that night. Mm, mm, nice. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. Uh, last little uh, bit of news for uh, matchroom boxing then. Amir Khan uh, said it would never happen, said he would never do business with Eddie Hearn, is now spooning with Sir Eddie himself um, in bed as he has signed a contract, a three-fight deal with Matchroom Boxing. It was like three, four months ago, Eddie Hearn was on an interview talking about how uh, Amir Khan's kind of just an afterthought. I don't even, does anybody even really care what he does in boxing anymore? Now he's fucking signing them to a three-fight deal. Yeah, as, uh, It's just unbelievable how... You know, desperation will, will call for desperate measures. And I don't care what anybody says. Eddie Hearn doesn't have a ton of money-making fighters. I, he's got the biggest in the world right now. But his stable, other than that, I mean, there's kind of been some... He, he needs to pick up some guys, and Amir Khan, uh, the perfect pickup, I guess you could say. Uh, boxing's kind of... He, he's, he's he's become like a reality TV star to me. I, I, I really... He's not... It's unbelievable what's become of his career and the type of ridiculous shit. I mean, dude, there's an article today in the, uh, which it's the Daily Mail, which is, you know, in the UK is a fucking smut mag, basically. <laughs> but I mean, he's he's getting called out for right after being on TV with his wife and saying he's a changed man. You you got models saying, yeah, he, he literally texts me to meet him in a hotel room like hours after that, that television interview. I mean... I'll give the guy credit. He's a he's a pound for pound fucking at, at slinging the wood, but I don't know if he's got anything to offer between the ropes. <laughs> I tell you what, Anthony Joshua offered his wife something between the ropes. <laughs> and by the way, I'm I'm sitting here looking at a picture of her. I know uh, Deontay Wilder was was calling himself a half human, half hybrid, <laughs> whatever that is. I think. <laughs> I think for for all is that how you say her name? Yeah, I think she might be a half human, half hybrid. <laughs> what, what is a a half human, half hybrid? Wouldn't that be like a half something and a quarter something and a quarter something else? I thought it was half human, half electric car. I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So what do you think the game plan is for old uh, old Mir King Khan? I have no idea. It's got to lead to Kell Brook, right? Yeah, it's going to be two fights against like Bradley Skeet and. <laughs> <laughs> and uh bradley skeet too it'll you know it'll probably be eggington skeet eggington then skeet and then brook yep yeah there you got it right there jesus christ <laughs> okay all right um two other fights that might make you say uh the same exact thing um uh, both on february 17th we talked uh briefly about it danny garcia versus brandon rios in a welterweight eliminator wbc welterweight eliminator um, on Showtime and from El Paso, Texas, <laughs> the border town, um, actually where I was conceived. My dad was stationed there in the military. Him and mom was getting it on. Um, <laughs> uh, on Fox, um, Devin Alexander versus Victor Ortiz. Um, then 
Danny Garcia, Brandon Rios. Look, Brandon Rios was like one of the very first guests on this show. Um, he's a great guy. He gave us his time. And, uh, you know, uh, I've always been a big fan of Brandon Rios, but he hasn't had a real fight since 2015. And uh, Danny Garcia is looking for a mark. He's looking for a name. And the truth is, is that Danny Garcia needs somebody that's a little bit slower than him um, so he can try to get back on track. I don't know what track that is. Maybe another freebie. Um, trying to still stay in that position. He's kind of in the world of, like, Adonis Stevenson. Like, he thinks he's, like, this fucking megastar player. Yeah. Because, like, in his little borough of his hometown, um, he gets treated as if, you know, he's, you know, uh, Kendrick Lamar, you know. But the reality (laughs) is, outside of, like, the, uh, you know, uh, the 2000 block of 4th Street and fucking, you know, Philadelphia Avenue... In, in downtown Philly, Danny Garcia um, really isn't kind of a, uh, you know, he's not really a player anymore in the game. No. Um, he's exposed himself. I think the funniest thing to me was going back and watching the original PBC on NBC promo video <laughs> and seeing those guys that get out of the limo that are walking down the red carpet. And it's like fucking Danny Garcia and Peter Quillen. <laughs> oh, it's a Broner. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Guerrero. Yeah. The o- <laughs> I guess you could say they saved a little you save a little face with Wilder, Thurman, and Porter coming out of that bunch, but none of them became megastars. No. I hope Showtime said to uh Danny Garcia, listen, man, I'm not paying you two million dollars for this fight. No, I but I, I guarantee you Al chips in whatever to make it a for whatever reason, like you said. In the world of the PBC and in, in, in the world of the Garcias, uh, they, they envision this guy as, as being a star. What the hell is this fight doing in Vegas? What is that, the Mandalay Bay? Who knows? I mean, I, Hopefully it's at the Cosmopolitan. Uh, this fight is, uh, uh, there's going to be no buzz for this. I mean, come on. I, like you said, I respect Brandon Rios uh, and what he was as a fighter five years ago. And, and I, quite frankly, I love the dude and his personality and the type of guy he is. He's fucking great. But that don't mean he's still good. Uh, Danny Garcia is, again, cashing a fucking check against a guy that hasn't been in the sport and been involved for a long time. Not to mention he's a small welterweight. So I really don't give a flying fuck about this fight, man. <laughs> and throw on top of it that now the the muzzle has been put on Angel Garcia and he's not at the press conferences and he's not getting cameras shoved in his face. And we're listening to what Danny Garcia has to say. Oh, he's the most boring fighter in the game. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't, you know, I'm not here to call people stupid, but this guy's a fucking moron. <laughs> he's dumb. <laughs> he's the other day he makes a comment about uh I've I've never picked an opponent, any of my opponents my entire career. They I fight who they tell me to fight. Get the fuck out of here, man. Get the fuck out of here. Don't don't tell me that bullshit. You you are getting served up a paper with names on it. The payday is the same, and you're picking the easiest one. You and your father or whoever it is. Yep. You don't challenge yourself. So get the fuck out of here. I don't care about this guy anymore. To me, the fact that he made it to where he's made it in fights that I, I don't care what anybody says he lost. Obviously, they're not losses on his record. I get that. But the guy's already been beat three times in my eyes. He's no good. <laughs> And he's fighting a guy that hasn't been involved in the sport, and you're telling me this is an el- a WBC eliminator? Yeah. What yeah. the fuck? What is going on? 
Hey man, PBC is just recycling that 147 pound uh, uh, green strap. So this no doubt. this leads to Garcia Porter later yep. on in the year, probably. Cool. Yeah, I, I mean that that will be a fucking a mess of a fight. Oh my god, will it be? Just just flailing hooks, wide hooks on the inside, and headbutts and whatever fucking else. Well, I mean, you know, I mean, look, it will not be a display of boxing skill. I think he's going to have to go back to, you know, that original, um, you know, training regimen. I think he's going to have to do the old Rocky chasing the running chicken. You know what I mean? I think that, you know. He may be a Kentucky Fried Idiot, Ken. <laughs> yeah. You know, and all Brandon Rios has to do is step on that sixth toe to get some leverage. And, um, you know, he'll be good to go. Right. Yeah. Who really gives a shit? I, you know, I just think it's amazing that Showtime's going to pay for Garcia versus Rios. And then as part of this, uh, you know, the end of the of, of the time by where the coffers are dry, you give us Devin Alexander versus Victor Ortiz. I mean, what an absolute fucking f- uh, joke of a fight. Um, it makes boxing look bad. You're putting two guys on network television in a free fight that are five, six, seven years past their primes and their primes weren't even that good. Mm. Great. Way to way to fucking do the sport a favor, guys. Great doubleheader. Yeah. On the seventeenth of February. I bet. Yeah. All right. Let's get away from that. Uh, um, the S show that is uh, the PBC. Hopefully, it will uh, completely dissolve in two thousand eighteen. That's uh, something I left off the wish list in the last episode. Somebody just needs to to stomp out the flames. It's almost done burning. <laughs> do you think it's hot enough to roast marshmallows still? Nah, we can still get some out of it. Yeah. Cool. I'm down for some s'mores. <laughs> Um, all right, real quick, and we'll close out episode 191 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Um, it appears, as uh, Tom Loeffler has said some positive things, and uh, the president of Golden Boy Promotions, Eric Gomez, um, has basically told everybody that uh, all the big stuff is out of the way, just some minor points that will not affect the status of this fight. Cinco de Mayo, uh, May 5th, 2018, on HBO Pay-Per-View. Canelo Alvarez versus Gennady Golovkin, part two for the unified IBF, WBA, and WBC middleweight championship of the world um, looks to be all but done, Ben. Yeah, I, I, you know, you almost wish that Canelo would have just lost and it would have went that way because then there was a rematch clause and the deal was done and it would be signed and there'd be no... I really don't understand, like, what's the fucking holdup here? What, 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 why isn't it announced yet? Uh, maybe it's, you know, they're, they're playing Vegas and, and Madison Square Garden against each other, raising the bid right now, basically holding out as long as they can, trying to squeeze some money out of these guys. I can't imagine that there's any other, like, percentage this, uh, who, whatever. You know, I, that has to be all have been figured out. Why wouldn't the first – why wouldn't you just redo exactly what the first fight was almost? I, you know, I don't know what the, what the end game was and what percentage Triple G ended up getting. But either way, he made a ton of money, and he's going to make even more this time. Both are going to make even more. Yeah. So just fucking come on, announce the thing already. <laughs> it sounds like we, uh, you know, might get our announcement here in the next few weeks. Well, De La Hoya tried to walk that back for some reason. Uh, De La Hoya, you know, he was he was in uh, in Barbados. You know what I mean? He was sipping mai tais, sipping mai tais and fishnets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And he came back and uh, and found out. Oh, guys, come on, come on. Stealing my thunder. 
But it sounds like we're going to get it. So, um, you know, the first quarter of the year being capped off with Canelo Alvarez and uh, and Triple G in a rematch, man, uh, it's a really, really good start to 2018. It is. It is. I was worried about the schedule filling up. But honestly, that's, it starts with, with Peterson and uh, Spence this weekend on Saturday. Uh, we almost have a championship or near championship level fight for the next three three months worth of, sa- of Saturdays, man. It's, it's a, a decent start to the year. Are some of them the greatest fights in the world? Now, trust me, I'm about as cynical as I come. I know what some of these matchups are. But at least it's good. It's decent fights on the schedule. We don't have to wait for anything. Everything's kind of unfolded here. Uh, we'll see if the back end of the year delivers like the front end uh, has. Yeah, it'll be a perfect transition from the end of uh, of the football season right. Um, right into the meat of the boxing schedule. Then I'll tell you what, man, 2017 was a big year. Um, in the sport and for us. But 2018 is going to be a a great year. I'm optimistic about it. Let's hope that boxing can uh, uh, continue not to throw up on itself. What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm not normally uh, an optimist when it comes to the sport, as many know. Uh, I got a little bit of optimism about this year. Yeah. Just a tad. I'm hopeful anyways. Just the action alone in the heavyweight division gives me uh, a little movement. Yeah. Major movement. (laughs) Uh, You've been listening episode 191 of the tale of the tape boxing podcast here on the boxing rant.com i'm kenny keith and for my co-host vince cummings follow us on twitter at kenny keith jr and at vince cummings 81 be sure to subscribe to the show today on spreaker itunes and google play so that'll do it for episode 191 big year ahead of us then hey we got broner and con back in the mix ken broner <laughs> where brother at? Ooh, brother oh brother gonna make a comeback this year you know it's gonna be good for sure <laughs> oh thanks for listening to the tale of the tape boxing podcast here on the boxing everybody <laughs>